I mean, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy just to leave it to Brez to just go with whatever he's, he's sort of thinking. Brave, uh, good luck brave man. <laughs> I'm very open for you just to you know, go into it and have a laugh with it and, and do whatever you think there. All right. I thought you were going to put a bit more, a few more shackles on us than that, to be honest. Can we talk about the name, though? Why are you you're not liking it? Ah, I just think it's a bit boring. Well, that wasn't exactly... Uh, We've got no restriction. You heard him say whatever the hell you want. Yeah, I'm a bit nervous about that, to be honest. I was actually really looking forward to this podcast until I found out you were hosting it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's a half volley through mid on for four. Jeffrey Bolton. 100-100. The place to get it here on his home ground at Heavenwood. Welcome to the first ever edition of Covers Off, the Yorkshire Cricket Podcast. I'm Tim Bresden and I'm here with Richard Pyra, who is guest slash host. Um, obviously the first edition of this new wonderful podcast by Yorkshire Cricket. And we're aiming for the stars, so please share amongst your group, share amongst your friends, your family, listen at home all together, and hopefully we can get through this. My guest today is uh, Richard Pyra. Uh, we played together for, do the math, too long. Yeah, 14 years. Probably longer. Probably longer. 16, it's about 16, 17 years. 16 years. Known him a lot longer than that. He's now Yorkshire's assistant coach, bowling coach. Um, been great for the younger guys in the last couple of years. What do you mean, not, not for you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> just for the younger ones. Just for the younger ones. I kind of know what I'm doing right. most of the time. Uh, I suppose it won't be right unless we did actually talk about what's happening at the moment in the real world. Coronavirus. Mm. Thoughts? I mean, from pre-season tour point of view, let's start there. Yeah, it was a funny one because I went out early with a group of young bowlers, spent a week with them there in Mumbai. Out there, the the news wasn't, you know, we weren't hearing much about it, to be honest. There were not many cases in Mumbai. So we were pretty sheltered from it. And then when we got back, well, when the, when the, the other uh, party arrived, which yourself was on, it kind of just intensified massively, you know, the chat around... Obviously, you'd been back home and heard all the news and stuff. It intensified quite a lot, and then England got sent home. And as, as soon as England got sent home, we, we we knew we were on his way home pretty soon after that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's awful, isn't it? I mean, we we're back home now. We, I mean, the, the I think the main thing is now we're back home with his family. There was a there's a chance we were going to get stuck out in India or uh, quarantined when we got back. But so to be back with his families is is the main thing now, and we can't do anything about it. It is what it is, and we've just got a Stay safe and stay healthy. I was reading um, some coronavirus misinformation in uh, preparation for this. And probably my favourite one was that if you drink cow urine and smother yourself in cow muck, it will cure you of the coronavirus. There's a couple of fields behind us. Yeah, I know. Let's get in there. Go <laughs> chase some cows. Cows are still good.
So let's get from from you how you fell into cricket, um, your early years, you know, your development. No, I, my family was involved in cricket. My my granddad played uh, down at Ossie Cricket Club. My dad played there, and my mum was scoring. So you can imagine how they met. Uh, <laughs> Is that genuinely how they met? That's genuinely how they met. My mum was a scorer. My grandma was doing the teas. So they were popular amongst the lads in the dressing room, weren't they? Yeah. I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, my Saturdays down there, my good mate John Sadler played in the same team, same age as well. Um, so we were just in the nets all day while his dads were playing cricket down at Osset. And, uh, you know, born into it, really. Played for Osset. My, my school didn't really have a cricket team. It was a comprehensive school. It was a bit rough. But managed to get myself into Wakefield Trials and got myself into the Yorkshire Under-12s. Uh, a year young as a, as an opening batsman and um, played throughout the the age groups and right up to um, sixteen, where um, you either get taken on to the academy or you start start a career elsewhere. And luckily enough, I was uh, straight onto the academy at sixteen, where I took the decision not to go into further education. <laughs> was that was that decision taken for you, Richard? Or yeah, sport was uh, definitely at the the front of my front of my mind. But sport was always my thing. I just loved it, and it was never really in my in my mind to go further education. And it's a good job, good job it worked out, isn't it? Really. But yeah, I just everything that I did was sport and um, football, cricket. Played a bit of golf as well. Badly. Badly. Still beat you a few times. A <laughs> few. Right. Okay. So you got a similar story to well, to me actually. Um, I think it's to most at the you know at that era we weren't really pushed into further education from the academy, were we? It was more seen to the right thing was to be in full time cricket. Whereas nowadays, you look at our academy lads and they are all encouraged to be in full time education, which is probably right. We probably got ahead of our cricket more than that because of the full time and we had to spend more time with the pros at you know, age 16, 17. Probably why we came through a little bit earlier than some of them do now. But uh, yeah, back then, we, you know, it wasn't, it, we weren't pushed. We were probably. Encourage more to paint sight screens and picket fences at New Rover with Steve Oldham. Oh, that's right, yeah, I forgot those times. Second team debut? Uh, second team debut when I was just gone 17, I think. Don't remember much of it, to be honest. I think I was I was just a batsman then, I didn't even bowl. Um, bowled a little bit in the net, so... Yeah, we had such a senior squad back then. Me and Gailey came through as batsmen together at a similar age. And we were going into second team cricket and batting eight and nine because we had such a senior squad. It was so hard to get into, and we had to we had to work his way up the ranks, and it probably made us tougher cricketers than than you know going straight in and getting opportunity. We had to work really hard for it, but yeah, it started as a as a top order batsman at that age. Yeah. So you obviously by the end of your career, you kind of came a little bit full circle, didn't you? Mm. Yeah, it was it was quite nice the way the way I finished. To be honest, I mean, I knew I knew that I, if I didn't work on my bowling, I probably wouldn't have made it at Yorkshire. Uh, with the squad that we had and the lack of opportunities really, so I made myself into an all-rounder, which gave me a you know a good career really. But then in the last couple of years, I played championship cricket as a batter, yeah. uh, just bowled you know fifth change. So it it did it kind of went full circle and to finish like that and to you know obviously to win two championships, uh, it was a quite a nice finish really. I suppose that the onset of T Twenty back in the day as well that was that was big for you. Like how how would you describe sort of your your bowling as a whole. I I, had, I thought I had the mindset of a batter sometimes. So my, I would never had never had great pace, but I had decent skills. But I I always thought I was one step ahead, which helped me in white ball cricket. 
because I'd grown up as a batter and uh, being, being able to bowl with decent skills then once I'd worked on it, I'd still had the mindset of a batter and I thought I could be one step ahead of them, which really helped me in, in white ball cricket. But, you know, I, I could do all three. F fielding was a big part of my game and when T20 first came around, if you could do two of the attributes you were involved and luckily I had three, which really helped me and, and got me in the side at quite a young age. Yeah. Canny is how I describe it, which is bowling. Obviously, like you were saying just then, you were kind of one step ahead, which is you know kind of a sixth sense that you need as a as a good bowler, especially in T Twenty cricket. Yeah, it's, people ask me now, especially and you know as a bowling coach now, you know what were my thought process? But it's, sometimes it's hard to explain because it, it is. It's like it's like you get a feeling of what the batter's going to do next, and it's it's very difficult to explain to young bowlers and and teach. Really, you've got to have a you know, a good cricket brain and read the game well so yeah I'm very very lucky to do that and I think you know T20 came along at the right time for me if T20 wouldn't have come along you know who knows what I'd have done but yeah I loved I loved playing the white ball stuff. Uh, we've got one here from LUFC 23846 times Solid Twitter handle, that. That is a solid Twitter handle. Both Leeds fans. Let's get on to a bit of football, actually. What do you reckon to this, what's going on at the minute with Leeds' potential promotion? What, yeah. what, what is going to happen? Surely, he's played so much of the season now, we can't just cancel it. Got to somehow get a result from the season, and we know we're so far ahead of the, the chasing pack that automatic promotion, tick. Well, yeah, that's, that's my feelings and thoughts echoed. Exactly. Well, his question is, thoughts on playing at Scarborough? Love it. I love it. It's been um, one of my favourite grounds to play at. You know, it suited my play because I didn't have a lot of pace. That the, With the pace and bouncing the pitch, it, it helped my skills. Made, him do, made it do it a little bit quicker. And batting as well, pace coming on the ball, I enjoyed. And, you know, I've got my uh, T20 Fifer there and my one day Fifer there as well. So, quite successful. And I got caps there, my Yorkshire cap. <laughs> Lovely feeling. So isn't it? yeah, and um, you know, coming through at a young age, we also had some good nights out with the senior lads. You know, Darren Lehman enjoyed a couple of drinks at Scarborough and that. So all round good experience, and having the crowd on top of you can be abusive at times as well if you're not playing your best cricket. But yeah, love love playing at Scarborough. Yeah, I suppose like you, you kind of touched on it there, but do you want to go into a bit more deeper detail on the, the sort of changes that you've seen over your career? We're not just talking from a cricket point of view, but I suppose professionalism-wise and anything that goes along with that. Oh, it's, it's the, the difference is massive. When, when we first came through, it was, you know, we were encouraged to kind of keep the old traditions going, you know, drinking in the bar and stuff like that. But now our young lads don't hardly drink. And when they do, it's quite funny, really. But um, yeah, the professionalism has increased a lot. Everything about it, the way they train, the fitness and the strength of the young lads now is remarkable. And you know, proper athletes now. But also, you know, the game the game itself has, has, has changed massively, you know, with stats and analysis and video and everything like that. You've got to be on top of your game and make sure that your skills are up there with, with anyone and you get found out if you're not. Yeah. Sometimes I feel though the generation that have just hit sort of the first team at this moment in time, they can be a little bit sheltered inside their own little bubble, which not not really a bad thing. But for me, my learning was done by talking about the game and listening mm. about the game and just picking the brains of senior players that were around us, of which there were many, and they were all 
you know, really good players. But I suppose the reason we didn't win as much back then was probably because of the culture that we had. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, it's a fine balance, isn't it? We grew up with strong senior players and if we went to a dressing room with the likes of Lehman and, and McGrath and all those and we kind of tried to take the piss out of them, they'd give us a whack. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the young lads now, they, it's the other way around. They, they, they come in and, and kind of rule the roost and it's such a fine balance. The professionalism is, a, the professionalism is better, but after a day's play or a practice day, they'll go home and play on the computer for five hours and not talk they might text each other or snapchat each other but it's so different we were straight into the bar talking picking the brains of senior players who played a lot of cricket and like you said that's that's where we learned the most you know on the field and off the field i think it was the old uh, six pints of guinness if you're bowling the next day and eight or nine if if you're batting wasn't it definitely helped the stiffness sometimes it did help the stiffness you know it's good for iron as well guinness isn't it yeah keep your bones strong couple more here from we've got one so, uh, this is from Lucas Barker. Something real badgering, like your greatest played with Yorkshire under 11 or played against County 11? Greatest player, Yorkshire 11? No, probably the b- best players I've played with for Yorkshire. Yeah, 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 let's do that. Okay. Tim Bresnan. Ha, oh, you flatter me. <laughs> I'm blushing. Tim Bresnan will be scorer. <laughs> <laughs> Great recovery. <laughs> Time out. Uh, you know, you think back to some overseas players we've played with. Them. You know, some great overseas players. I made my debut with Darren Lehman, probably as good as overseas players you can get. Kane Williamson, unbelievable batter. People who stuck with me most is you know who are around quite a lot. So such as Jack Rudolph, uh, Anthony McGrath, great players, but also give you a lot off the field as well. Goffey was a big one for me. Goffey came back to the club in two thousand and eight, and are a bit of a crossroads really. I'd, I'd played a little bit in the first team as a batter, and that's when I really kicked on uh, with my bowling in the white ball stuff. And Goffey uh, wasn't afraid to use me, which kind of kicked on my career, and probably got I look up to Goffey quite a lot for that. No fear. Just get his, get it get stuck in and uh, like the way he went about it. Sometimes question his decisions on the field as captain and his team talks and he was saying, uh, "All right, lads, um, if you don't win cricket, you don't get cash. Cash is king." <laughs> that was one of his favourite team talks. Yeah, so and he used that nearly every game. So. As well as captaincy's bloody easy. If you're getting whacked around park, you just take a slip out. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's why Martin Moxon is grey underneath that, uh, just for men. <laughs> is that a, is that a, is that a, an actual bombshell there, you're releasing, Mitch? Have you seen that, just for men? No, no, no. Uh, he, he denies it with all. Yeah, I think everyone's asked him now. Wayne Morton, our uh, physio, he's adamant that he uses just for men. Right. But he's also got a very rigorous and thorough skincare routine as Frog, hasn't he? Well, I, ch- I change uh, next to him now in the coach's room and uh, it's impressive. Really? It's impressive. <laughs> I, um, I'm actually ready and I sit with my, in my suit after a game and I'll, I'll just watch him for 15 minutes. <laughs> and it's it's such a, you know, it's a pleasure to watch, really. I mean, the way he takes his, he takes his clothes off in the order he puts them back on. Right. So it all goes onto the peg, but the folded, the socks are folded in a half, they've put on top of the peg, rounded round the peg, you know, and then you open his bag and his bag is it's immaculate. Uh, there's, everything is folded. Like, you know when you see clothes folded in a shop? And a bit like military. And you think, how the hell do you fold a clothes like that? Yeah. Frog does it. Right. It's unbelievable. But then his skincare, oh, I mean, he, he gets his moisturising, he puts dots every, all over his body. He doesn't rub it in, it goes all over his body, all over his face. So at one point, he'll have about 50 dots of moisturiser. <laughs> and then he'll slowly rub them in, into his face, pat his 
pat his uh, eyelines a little bit. It's, it's immaculate, and when you see him and you think, oh, he looks good for his age, you know, that, there's no wonder he is. I'm probably not going to have a job after this, am I? Do you know what? I was literally just thinking right there with my head in my hands going, if this podcast isn't the end of me, Rich, it's probably going to be the end of you. <laughs> Sorry, Frog. So we're moving on swiftly from uh, Frog's Martin Moxon skincare routine. So we've got one from Brick. Alex Willis, 1889. A teammate-style format is always fun. Love to know who the modest trainer... Oh, sorry, moodiest trainer is and who has the most horror gear. Well, those answers are just one person. Both one person. Both both questions, one answer. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. Moodiest person, Steve Patterson. Yeah. He's Victor Meldrew. <laughs> Comes in, I have never seen anyone hate training as much as he does. But then he's like, I love playing cricket. <laughs> um, and worst gears, Steve Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> he literally dresses like a 60 year old man. You know, he's a well to do lad, he's done well for himself, but he literally dresses as though he's going to play golf every day. <laughs> I can't argue with you, mate. I really can't argue with you. What and he's, had, the, and the he's had his teeth done. You think yeah. he looked better? He's had his teeth done. Yeah. He spent thousands on his teeth. Looks like a horse. <laughs> the Asics trainers and jeans look is my personal favourite yeah. that yeah. he rocks out to Nando's yeah. with. Well, you never know when you need to go for a run in pub, do you? <laughs> so, uh, the transition between playing and coaching... Obviously, that happened relatively quickly for you. Yeah, um, quite a young age, really, thirty-two. So how would you know? How would you say that that affected you from a well, any sort of facet, really? Uh, a lot of people ask me this, and um, it wasn't just a right. I finished my my career now. I'm a coach because of what I my role in the in the squad was. I'd play a lot of white ball cricket, and then I'd play the odd red ball cricket when you were with England. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was, and I was comfortable with that. I was happy with that. And as a seaman, you can't really play every game anyway. So I had a lot of time where I play, be around the first team, but then I go and play in the second team. Um, and for the last three, four years of my career, from my late twenties, I was kind of running the second team myself. You know, I was captaining when I was there. Um, we'd go through a number of different coaches in the second team. I run that, through that period, so I was quite a a, a big voice in that dressing room so from a from a young age really I was kind of thrown into being um, in, a, in a leadership role with that so it was, it was a natural progression and I think that's what Martin Moxon saw really he saw me going to that into the second team and running that and then when the time came at 32 we, we chatted and it was it was honestly the my a, a natural progression to go into coaching um, Luckily that, you know, Martin gave me a role which had um, opportunities to go around the teams. So I didn't, I wasn't in one role because as a young coach, you don't know where your strengths are. And um, went through, went around first team, second team academy, watched, you know, trained with the scholarship lads and a um, couple of years of really finding my feet as a coach and, and finding my niche really. And I, I found myself going with the bowlers a lot more. The more I coached, the more I went with the, the balls, especially the young lads, the senior lads like yourself and Pato. You know, they kind of coach themselves, and you're just there to support them whenever they need. But I found as I had a real good relationship with the young bowlers, and and from end end of uh, the season about two years ago, I said we'd like to be the bowling coach, and 
since then I've I've never been as happy really. It's, I absolutely love it. I've you know I've done a lot of research into it as well, and the more I'm doing it, the more knowledge I'm getting, and you know I'm absolutely loving it. I've had a bit of experience with England now. I've shadowed silvers with England, and you know it's going well, and, and I absolutely love it. And you know it's, it's it was such a fine balance of um, working with the young lads, getting a, re a good relationship with them, but also having a relationship with lads who are played with all my career like yourself and Pato mm. you know if I'd have jumped in at the deep end with you two and said come on Brez start doing this or I'm changing your action you'd have probably just told me to get lost well yeah maybe not <laughs> use those words to be fair but you know that, it's such, <laughs> that is such a fine balance when you've played with somebody so long and then you end up being coaching you've, you know and I, I feel as though that I handled that pretty well I've still got uh, you and Pato on side and um that's that was my only worry really of you know coaching you you senior lads which I'd played with a long time but now I think it's gone pretty well I'm loving it and uh, long may it continue really. We're currently sat in uh, Tim Bresden's uh, man cave. Yeah. Um, Getting away from the kids, basically, it's, it's quite a nice, relaxing half hour. This, it's going to be. A, There's yeah. a few pictures and uh, bats and memorabilia around the around the room, Brez. Yeah. Winning the World Cup, T20. Yeah. Couple of ashes. Yeah, three, um, three of those somewhere. Being close to you, and you know, I, I know you're proud of your England stuff. What, honestly, which is the best that you've won? You know, you've won World Cups, Ashes, but that compared to winning County Championship first year, 2014, with lads that we've played with since a young age, come through together. Which where do you rank them? Well, yeah, like I've I've always said in interviews and stuff that I've especially to the Yorkshire media, it ranks massively up there. You know, to to finish the my England career the way I did. I've got no regrets over that. But then to come back into a sort of emerging team full mm. of all my mates, you know, that I played with since I was knee high to a grasshopper and win a couple of back to back champos and then nearly a third, you know, that ranks up there with one of my proudest achievements. Yeah. I, I always say, sort of rank them in terms of playing for Yorkshire as, as very highly. So England cap obviously was, was the one, test cap, and then probably. My getting capped for Yorkshire because it was such a long time mm. bef between making my debut and actually getting capped. How many years was it? it was about five years. Yeah. Bearing six, in mind six years for me. Bearing in mind they called me the Reverend for for four of those years. I only got to play on a Sunday. Well, you're only twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, from from doing things like that, and then obviously, I suppose in a rank of my career highlights, Ashes in Australia, Test match winning. In India, T20 World Cup, things that I've not really looked back on just yet. I don't think you do until you retire. I don't know. I pick your brains about that. Like actually mm. feeling sort of pride about because I still think I've still got things that I want to achieve and give to the game. And you know, I've still got aspirations, even though I'm probably in my twilight years. Let's say that's if this podcast doesn't end it prematurely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, we'll leave it at that. But, but, but there's a lot of questions on the old tweets saying. Just talk about bowling, Ricky Ponting at MCG. Um, is this the Tim Bresnan podcast? It's not the Tim Bresnan podcast. No, like you asked me the question, oh, mate. Yeah. You've just taken over the hosting role. But yeah, like people asking about banter on the circuit, which was better, winning the 2010-11 Ashes in Australia or beating India to reach world no, uh, number one test team in the world. Yeah, that was a 
a nice moment. Can't remember it, can you? No. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the amount of beer we sung straight after, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have been able to remember much. No. Um, I think but, that, that that is a good good point because you know we we've worked so especially uh, I've, I won the Bradford League four times with Woodlands, but <laughs> <laughs> you know the only thing that I really won was the the two cha- championships 2014 and 15, which it was a long time after we started. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, you know the best times of the you know the feeling of winning it together as as a group that's come through together, but the celebrations after is something that I'll never forget. Yeah, it's such a big part of it because you you know you've worked so hard and you get to the end of a season and and you celebrate together like we did and some of the stuff we did you know walking around uh, Ellen Road and with a trophy things like that it's it they're priceless then those are the stuff that. I'll, I mean, now I've finished playing, I don't I don't think back to the, oh, that wicket I got, or those runs that I got in that year, I, I, I think back to winning as a group and celebrating as a group with a group of friends and, and you know, nobody really think, remembers what I did in those years. Yeah. It's, you know, winning the championship, that's all it is. It's where memories are made and you've got that, you know, ultimate bond with those players of that particular era haven't you where you can you know it's just when you're all in a room together which we are very rarely it's just you share that look don't you and everyone knows what that look means and it's like yeah we're going to share a friendship for for a very very long time yeah exactly and it's very rare that you know you come through together like that and you and you win together it's you know until you stop playing you, you, you you take it for granted a little bit yeah. And then, you know, in these last few years, you kind of think, yeah, it's pretty special, that. Sam sent me through a quick-fire quiz section. So, tea or coffee? Coffee. Night in or night out? Night in now. Indian and takeaway or Chinese? I mean, just come back from India, I said Chinese. Collection or delivery? Uh, delivery. Delivery. Ability to fly or invisibility? Invisibility, definitely. Batting or bowling? Came through as a batter, made myself win a ball, enjoyed batting more. Corey or Armadale? Neither. Neither? Nah. Mate, when we lived together, you used to watch all the soaps, Hollyoaks included, the Omnibus on a Sunday, yeah. and then on a Monday night, worst day of my week, you went Cora, EastEnders, Cora. Yeah, I've grown up since then. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few fit birds on it. Like, they all left, have they? All, all fitsters have gone, have they? Yeah. I reckon to finish, we're getting his favourite subject. Go on. Adam Wise. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Um, I had, had a, quite a lot of tweets about Adam Live. It's like the time we told him about um, petrol prices going up. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, he said it. He said, oh, what a fake me, I only put £30 a week in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. That was actually true. I, um, I think one of my funniest things um, about Lily was, my be- remember my benefit dinner in Dubai? Yeah. And he'd been, you know, there's loads of chat about him getting picked for England and his phone went off while we were in the in the in the dinner I and mean, we'd had a few drinks and he could see his face light up. We knew he'd gone England to us and he came back. He's brilliant. Anyway, one of the journalists said uh, rung him and can I have an interview, your first interview as an England England player. He said, Yeah, he says uh, I'd just like to fight, uh, thank my family and my wife Lillian. He went, Oh <laughs> shit and he got his wife's name wrong in the interview. I remember that. How can you get your wife's name wrong in an interview? I think he's just got nervous, didn't he? I think my wife, William. Another one where, uh, was it Finchie who came in and goes, oh, I've just, uh, Lily, I've, I've just met, I've just met your uncle. And he said, no, 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 that's my dad's brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
he's, so got a, he's got a lovely cover drive, don't he? Beautiful cover drive, probably the best in the game. Um, but yeah, this is Tim Breslin, and thanks to my special guest this week, Richard Pyro, who might make we might make this original feature, Rich. I'm available. We've Let's been do all right. It. Do you know what? We've been doing this 40 minutes, and the, the urge not to swear is oh. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, next week's guest I'm pleased to announce is England captain, Yorkshire legend, and all round good egg, Joe Root. Enjoy. Enjoy.